0: Section 5 of the World War. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The World Story, Volume 15, The World War, edited by Horatio W. Dresser. Section 5 Belgium's Part, 1914, by Emil Veraren. Attention centered upon Belgium soon after Germany declared war on Russia for the country's neutrality had been guaranteed by treaty, and Belgium's part, for or against, was sure to have much to do with the development of the war as a whole. Preparation to meet any contingency began very early within Belgium itself. The forts were provisioned July 30th. The export of horses and vehicles was prohibited, and presently the movements of trains on the railways through Germany came to a standstill. Parliament was summoned, and King Albert was ready to meet with courage and decision the inducements offered by Germany, whose plans to secure the immediate passage of troops were destined to meet a serious setback by the stout resistance offered at Liège. Belgium's resistance exasperated Germany beyond all precedent and led the way to the long list of atrocities inflicted upon the Belgians, the destruction of Louvain, the imposing of huge fines upon Brussels, and finally to the heart-rending deportations of a later date. the following selection by Belgium's patriot poet gives an inner view of some of the matters in question. The editor: The fury felt against us by the German officers dates from the very day of the war's beginning. We barred their road to France. The act had no meaning, no honesty to them. True to their traditions, they sought to buy us off. Calling our government, as it were, into the room behind the shop, they asked, for how much? And waited for the answer they expected, for thirty pieces of silver. But the answer was given by Liège, and Liège infuriated them they lost thousands of men. By no means were they able to force the instant passage which was so essential to them. Behind our defense was France mobilizing. For England and for Russia, we gained a precious respite. The world jumped immediately to the conclusion that the fate of the war was already settling against Germany. Even this first check, given by a tiny nation in the cause of honor, was regarded as the death-blow. Certainly there was talk of peace. Three separate times did Germany approach us with proposals. The first occasion was in August 1914. Mr. Davignon, Belgian Minister of Foreign Affairs, received through our minister at The Hague a long telegram which contained the following sentence. The German government is ready to take any steps in order to have Belgium on her side in the war with France. Belgium's reply was prompt and definite. True to her international duties, Belgium can only repeat her answer to the ultimatum of August the 2nd. And this especially as, since that time, her territory has been violated. A terrible war has been carried into her lands and the guarantors of her integrity have promptly and loyally responded to her appeal for help. Germany's second attempt was through political channels in Belgium, but it failed as ignominiously as the first. The third of the peace proposals was made by Mr. Achen, a politician of Luxembourg, who told the neutral states, persuading them to issue a joint appeal for peace between us and Germany. Such a scheme could not have any result. Belgium, first of all, met it with point-blank refusal. In times before the war, those of us who dreamt of a greater Belgium had no visions of territorial expansion in Europe, nor of a colonial empire in Africa. What we pictured was a rebirth of Belgium, a rebirth essentially of the mind and spirit, We pictured certainly an ever-growing activity of trade and industry, but our desire was even more for a greater modernity and vitality of thought. We sought for Belgium the power of influence rather than of conquest. And now we see the influence of Belgium stronger than it has ever been. It is true that for the moment our factories are silent, apparently deprived of the panting breath which is their life but no one really thinks them dead. As soon as the war is over, they will spring to life again. As ever, we Belgians shall be young and keen. Until today, our nation has known no danger. We were too sure of the morrow. We lived like rich people who had no knowledge of want. War, we thought, was the business of others. But war has come upon us, fierce and terrible, when we least expected it. We were alone. We were few. Into the old forts of Liège we threw ourselves in desperate haste. We had, as it were, to invent courage and resource for ourselves. We had to manufacture a tragic spirit of resistance. All that we did in a day, an hour, a moment. These early triumphs of Liège and those that followed at Halen and the Eiser have won for Belgium the eternal honour, respect and admiration of all. For three months, we have held the vast German armies in our country, the armies that allotted to us three days. With the most convincing arguments of all, we have challenged the dogma of their invincibility, we have caused them their first losses. The force of our resistance gave time to France and to England to arm themselves, to perfect their organization. Our handful of soldiers at Liège and at Hallen represented, unconsciously of course, a great past of cultured civilization. That is why this simple act of courage is so great. We need not dread comparing them to the deeds of Thermopylae. At Liège, as in Sparta, a handful of men saved the world. End of section 5. This recording is in the public domain. Read by Ezois in Belgium in July 2021.